All righty. Good morning, everybody. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Happy Saturday, Wiz. How you doing today? Doing, uh, I'm doing well. It's a nice, uh, sunny day. I was out, got some exercise in, felt, uh, felt good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you come home and, uh, you look at updates and, uh, players are getting signed all over the place and uh you got to stay ahead of this you got to keep on track like we've been talking about this and uh start formulating uh your game plan er you know early because uh we know lots of people who don't pay attention to this they think it's uh, you know it's 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 march it's getting into april what do i need to follow football for and then they come to you know august and they have no idea who is where what the depth chart looks like, and these are guys that are in you know many leagues and for pretty big money too. So um, you know we're helping people make sure they're not one of those guys. Uh, yeah, you, you're not going to win. I don't care what anybody says. It's going to be a situation where you just happen to get lucky. If if it, if a person in those shoes ends up walking in and, and winning a league, it's purely luck and, and nothing nothing else. Um, but you know those guys. Um, and, you know, look, they know who they are. There, there are people that I know in leagues that haven't won since 2009, 2008. I mean, that's embarrassing. Like, you can look, you, this is bragging rights, people. And if you just want to take your money, there's a great meme on the Internet, Wiz. Uh, I, you and I, uh, you know, showing our age a little bit here. But when we were kids, The Little Rascals was a, was a great television show. And there's a great meme I like to pop on uh, some of these uh, chats I'm on with some of my friends uh who, who, who aren't as thorough as they need to be uh, in fantasy football. And it's, you remember when Spanky takes the money and he's just throwing it out the window? Do you remember, do you remember that one episode? I think that yeah, was... Yeah, yeah, I, yeah it's, it's, it's a funny clip, yeah. It, People do that all the time when, like, there's a, a bad salary signing, four kinds of money, just, you just, you just see, like, the window open and, and money, all kinds of money being thrown out the window. Yeah, it's a funny, it's a funny meme. It's a great meme, and it was a great episode. I think it was where these two guys were, like, midgets, and they played, like, these, uh, they, they, they ended up being, one of the guys was Butch. Uh, I, it was a funny one. Anyway... You might as well. well you know, by the way, uh, the, the, the character, one of the kids on the Little Rascals, ended up being uh, Robert Blake. That is correct. Did you yeah. know that on the Little Rascals? Uh, I didn't. Uh, Robert Blake and uh, Beretta. Uh, um, Beretta. Beretta. And then um, Jackie Coogan was another guy, right? That, that ended up being yeah, a pretty yeah, big actor. So, yeah. so, but anyway, going back to that. Um, you know, these people are just th literally throwing their money away. And then you mentioned, like, if you're in a league that's somewhere between five hundred and a thousand dollars, and you start walking into August, and you got the, some long yellow legal pad with a bunch of names on it that you're just throwing on there, it's not going to work for success. It's just not going to happen. No, it's it, it, it's not. It, it really, uh, yeah. We talk we talk about it all the time, and uh, yeah, I mean. Look, what we're just trying to give people is a different way of thinking about things uh, and being prepared because, as we know, being in so many leagues over the years that you can almost guarantee that there's going to be some kind of a surprise, something that you thought was going to go your way doesn't, something that you never thought was going to happen does. Those are things that happen constantly in drafts, but if you're prepared while anyone, you know, most of the other guys in the league are going to be in a panic or not sure what to do, how to take it, you always have plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, and so on. If you're listening to us, and uh, and um, and and always being prepared no matter what happens. Yeah, and little things like um, the schedule 
changes in offensive coordinators, and you've talked about this. Uh, you know, these little things make a difference, and and I think we're seeing a, a, you know a, a reshaping of some offensive lines in the league right now, which I which I think people need to pay very close attention to. What's going on with the Raiders? The Chiefs, you know what that's going to look like this year. How they how they actually move forward in the draft? Because I'm I'm, I'm guessing there's going to be a number of offensive linemen taken by some teams this year. Um, your Vikings recently, uh, you know the the Bengals. You know we've talked about them and, and protecting Joe Burrows. Uh, the Vikings lost one of their better linemen actually to to the to the Bengals. Uh, Riley Reif signed with the Bengals. So these little little things that you know, may look really small and incremental to the average person actually could make a material difference, uh, you know, when you get to draft time. So, so paying attention to those little tidbits, we're going to try to help you as best we can. Um, yeah, Wiz, I, I actually want to start off with, with, before we get into kind of some of the other signings that have occurred since our last podcast, what is your, look, there's so much stuff in the news these days and uh, accusers coming out left and right. We know there's stuff going on politically with that. But but right now, Deshaun Watson, who was probably, you know, the the lightning rod for uh, p- potential uh, personnel moves in the NFL right now. And he is in the midst of, of, I don't know if it's a smear campaign. I don't know what's going on with this situation or if it's, it's if, if it's in fact a true situation. Um and there's a lot of ramifications if, in fact, it is. What is your take right now as we sit here today? Uh, we've got a player that doesn't want to play for the for the Houston Texans, and, and he's not going to play for the Houston Texans, and now he's embroiled in potential controversy here. What's your take on what's going on? Is this? Do you think there's some form of exploitation, or do you think there's more than meets the eye here? Um, for, you know, first let me say this. You know, I've seen you know a lot of people talking about this. And, and what I hear is, you know, it's not just he he said, she said. It's he said, she said, she said, and she said. But I, I want to say, you know, before I get into the in-depth analysis of what I think is, is going on here and what's going to happen is, even if it's just one woman, every single allegation has got to be taken seriously and has to be looked at and investigated. Because otherwise, if that's going to be the measuring stick, is it two women? Is it at least five women? Is it 10 women? You can't do that, even if it's just one woman, and that is too much. Every one of those allegations needs to be looked at carefully. I just think over time, goodness knows how many women have just remained silent, feeling embarrassed, ashamed about what happened to them, don't come forward. Then other women that have come forward and they get called a liar. So I I just think that should not be the measuring stick. Are there multiple women? All that being said, if if I'm looking at the latest report, and this is astonishing to me, Deshaun Watson is now facing seven confirmed lawsuits. Five more expected to be filed shortly. And are you ready for this? Another, another 10 women reportedly are prepared to um, file sexual misconduct against massages, you know, that during, during massage sessions. And this is not, according to the report, not ancient history, not that that would be excusable anyhow, as recently as this month. Some of these instances, you know, things have occurred. So what I'm getting to is there was a point when this was purely about football. You know, is he going to sit out? 
Is he going to work something out with the Texans? Is he going to be traded? Which team? I think that this, at this point, it's it's not even about football anymore. It could be about his NFL career. This could be about his liberty. This could be about a bunch of different things. But so many women and 10 more are, you know, that the report says are about to come forward. I don't know. Sometimes these things are right or wrong. But we do know that there are seven confirmed lawsuits already. So there – and I keep reading, you know, these teams, the Panthers, whatever, like – what are you going to do? Are you going to give up the world for a player in draft picks and then not have the player come September because of legal issues? So this is as murky as a situation. If you think about the player, the situation, the teams, his value, the legal aspect, football, all of it as, as murky as it is in uh I I am just you know really you know don't know what to say about um, these teams that are that are just continued like they're willing to give up you know picks like I don't know if you were running a team would you, would you want to see how this plays out before you're going to give up all your draft picks? Yeah, there's no way. And to, that's exactly kind of where I wanted to go with this because I don't think you can. I don't think you can do that. I think if you're David Tepper and the Carolina Panthers and you so coveted this player, and, and you know you and I are on the same page in terms of we know he's not playing for the Houston Texans this year. We, that, I stand firm in that, and that's even before all this stuff happened. But now you've got big decisions to make, right? Like how does that impact the way you, you approach the draft now potentially? And again, you know, I don't want to minimize in any way, shape, or form uh, as you talked about what's happening here and that every – you know, woman that comes forward that's in a situation like this deserves to be heard, no question. But the fact of the matter is, you know, we're talking about a business side of things here. Um, and like like you mentioned, you know, personally, it could be very devastating to, to, to Deshaun Watson, depending on how things shake out, and, and maybe not uh, if it moves in his favor. But nonetheless, I think it's extremely difficult for you to move forward with this player based on this, and this will take a, a, probably a number of months to kind of sort through. So it, it certainly alters the landscape here, and I don't know. What does that mean for a Teddy Bridgewater? What does that mean for some of the other quarterbacks in this upcoming draft? You look at some of the guys, like, you know, I, I look at a guy like Trubisky that gets signed by by the Bills just as a backup quarterback there. Like, you, you wonder if some teams wish they hadn't moved sooner on this based on what's happened here. So there's so many question marks around how this will affect from a football perspective, but I don't think you can go near this with a 10-foot pole until you, until you get some <laughs> until you get some very clear signs that there's there's not more damaging information here. I agree with that. And and, and ironically, if you will, the the player that I think this starts to affect in a, an organization that this affects are the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. You may see teams now who, like Carolina, who were completely focused on Deshaun Watson, who have made it clear they're willing to give up the world and everything else you want for Watson. I wonder if they turn their attention somehow, so in, in some way, shape, or form, to Russ Wilson. And um, and and we know the Bears have made some, some big offers. So I'm wondering now with the uncertainty, if you will, of Deshaun Watson's future in the league, 
um, and one who means, especially, you know, nothing's going to be decided over the next month, you know, before the draft starts. I'm wondering if uh, Carolina doesn't start turning their attention to Russell Wilson. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic point. I I I, I gotta believe, and you know, look, we we actually compare the two players. We think they're both really great players. Uh, Watson being being a little bit younger than Russell Wilson, but you can't take anything away from Russell Wilson's game. And and yeah, if you're if you're looking to fill a need a quarterback, you know, Russell Wilson will certainly help any team if he's going to. And I think that's a that's a really valid point. I think the one thing we've continued to see was in in, in this very strange post COVID year is that the economics of football um, has really played a huge part in, in the decisions made by both teams and players. Uh, and, and, and basically, we've seen these one-year contracts being taken uh, by a number of players, some, some taking a home team discount, like a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster to stay with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We see uh, Chris Carson sign with, uh, with the Seattle Seahawks. You know, but basically... You have the salary cap that's been taken down by such a big number. So as a, as a matter of course, uh, teams are, are, are treating free agents much differently, particularly at the skills position, and that's what's taken place here. So some big names did move around. You know, I just mentioned Juju and Carson. Finally, Will Fuller gets a seat at the table. That's with the Miami Dolphins, a one-year deal. So lots of moving parts here. Um, you know, what's your take from some of those moves? And actually, uh, one move, again, this was when Des- before before the Deshaun Watson Panther stuff uh, brought up, but I thought they made an interesting move and, and, and potentially gets impacted if they go after a guy like Russell Wilson. But Joe Brady gets uh, reunited with a guy like uh, Dan Arnold, who was the last year a tight end for the Arizona Cardinals in a very crowded catch uh, team uh, and, and moves on now to the Carolina Panthers, which I think is a great landing spot. You know, Brady knows the player well from his time at New Orleans. But, you know, again, we don't know what's going to happen to quarterback uh, f- for the Carolina Panthers. But little signings like that you do have to pay some attention to. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. I mean, I, I just think... Uh, a lot of these players just weren't given the the you know the money that they thought, and the the market wasn't wasn't big enough. So I just saw like you know kind of started with Aaron Jones and and Juju Smith Schuster and Trent Williams going back and Jujek back to the Forty ers and uh, and these players just you know re-signing with their teams. Uh, just you know I, I was so surprised to see, you know, Chris Carson um, re-sign with, um, you know, back with the Seahawks. I thought that was going to be just a free agent frenzy for that workhorse player. I thought, you know, the Falcons, I'm, I'm just wondering what this means come the draft. The one thing that I, I mean, not the one thing, but one of the things that I, I found most interesting of the signings were my what Miami did with the willful one. That one was kind of like, I don't know, it, it, it appeared to me maybe that Aaron Jones was plan A. He decided to go back. Uh, Green Bay didn't even really test the free agent market. And then they landed with Will Fuller. Now, we know they want to get Tua or whoever's quarterbacking for the Dolphins. And now it certainly looks like more and more likely it's going to be Tua. So we know they wanted to get him more firepower. And I, I think they're not done in terms of the draft. But I guess the interesting question now with Miami is, Will they still take another receiver in Jamar Chase, who is, in my opinion, the number one receiver in this draft um, above the two Alabama receivers? Or 
do they feel now they got fuller? Are they going to look for a really interesting hybrid player in terms of Pitts from Florida? Um, I think the Miami signing of Fuller makes that third pick very, very interesting. Yeah, I agree. And I I actually, you know, I was talking to a Jet fan this morning, um, and, you know, the Jets have also made some signings. They signed Keelan Cole uh, at receiver. Obviously, they did Corey Davis as well. And I I think at this point you're pretty convinced that they go the quarterback route now. If they do trade back in this pick for another team that wants that quarterback even more, that will make an interesting pick for the Jets. And I think think Kyle Pitts is probably, I think, based on what happened here with Fuller and kind of what's going on with the Jets, I think – Kyle, I, I think uh, I think Pitts is going to go within the first five picks of this draft. The uh, question is to who? Yeah, I think you know. I think I think Miami's setting themselves up to really want to you know build an offense as you know uh, with as many as electric young players uh, around two as they can, and they you know well on their way with Fuller, who's a, a completely different receiver than Devontae Parker. And then if you could bring in such a hybrid player like Kyle Pitts in there, or if they just stick with Jamar Chase, either one of those two would be terrific picks. But this is what, you know, Miami needed to do. I mean, they had a very, very good defense. They just didn't have the offense to match some of the other teams in the AFC. But now with these players uh, that it looks via free agency and the draft that they're going to try and get, I think it could be a different story uh, for Miami. And uh, as far as trading down, uh, you know, with the Jets, the only way the Jets would really trade out of two is if on their board they're looking at Zach Wilson, um, Trey Lance and, and Justin Fields, yeah, and Mac Jones. Let's just put them in the in the, in the just in the, you know the the debate of this um, point. You know they'd have to have very little difference in their view of the four players at quarterback to move down. But I don't see it that way. Uh, I think. Zach Wilson is closer to Trevor Lawrence than those other quarterbacks are to him. So I think they should stay with that pick and take Zach Wilson. But as far as what their draft board looks back, looks like, if they think there's not much of a difference between those three or four quarterbacks, then it makes all the sense in the world to trade down to four, to trade down to six, to trade down to eight even um, to get one of those quarterbacks. So it all depends what their draft board is looking like. Yeah, and we're, and we're not going to know that, right? They shouldn't reveal that. They're not going to reveal that, but, you know, we'll find out. No, and, and they've been, and they've been, and I, I got to say that that organization has been very good. They've been very quiet, and that's what you want to see. You know, you don't want stuff coming out. You know, they, they've been very quiet, and uh, it's, it's kind of been mysterious a little bit what they plan on doing. But if somebody was to completely overwhelm them for that two spot, and they could only have to, would only have to move down a few picks, and then their draft board they don't see much difference between those three or four quarterbacks, then it would make sense. But, uh, you know, these are the Jets we're talking about. Yeah, no question. I'll say this about the Dolphins. So, you know, we didn't mention a couple of other interesting players they have in this team. I, you know, we both kind of like those young running backs, that the guys that stepped in last year, Salvin Ahmad, and, and of course, Miles Gaskin, who was big. They did make a little bit of a signing in Malcolm Brown. So, uh, you know, you get a guy that's kind of got a little bit of a nose for the end zone, uh, as opposed to the other guys that are a little bit more diminutive in size. Um, but, you know, you got guys like Lynn Bowden Jr., who was forced into action 
Jackson last year. They made a trade with the Raiders, who actually showed some real hops as a receiver, uh, particularly like those short little uh, passes and swing passes at, uh, and, and passes around the uh, around the line of scrimmage. And Preston Williams, let's not forget, you know, not far away from, you know, he was really coming into his own uh, before a pretty devastating injury. So a lot of interesting offensive pieces in the Miami Dolphins. And also, I don't want to forget, a situation where Tua is coming off of a big injury and no preseason, no training camp last year. I, I expect him, you know, I wasn't overwhelmed by what he did last year, but I expect him to be a completely different player uh, coming into this upcoming season where it's a normal uh preseason routine so the Dolphins have a lot of pieces and if they add a guy like Pitts uh, you know in this draft I think it makes it for an intriguing situation as a as a lot of firepower on the offensive side of the football yeah and, and you know the the, the 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 thing for Miami is this you know we all know Jacksonville Jets Miami Atlanta I mean everyone knows that you know the first these first you know picks and you know we're in New York you know market so we know the Giants are down at 11 but one thing that shouldn't go uh, under the radar is Miami's also picking at 18 and boy that's going to be kind of close I think they're inside the number to be able to get ETN or Najee Harris from Alabama. Yep. So man, I would not be surprised at all with Tua, his familiarity with Najee Harris, with either Pitts or Chase with that three pick, and then coming back with either Harris or ETN at 18 to really bolster up that offense. And uh, that would be just amazing uh, for Miami if they were able to do that. Uh, so, so one one uh, one curious signing uh, to me uh, in the last twenty four hours was was Philip Lindsay. So, you know, Lindsay and the and the Broncos agreed to part ways. First two seasons, hometown kid, uh, over a thousand yards last year. Melvin Gordon shows up with the Broncos, and I still think Philip Lindsay was the better running back here. Curious landing spot with the Houston Texans, who have made more interesting and you know kind of uh head scratching moves than any team uh in in the preseason moves in free agency because they've signed just so many kind of random free uh, uh, uh like special teams type players really really strange but Philip Lindsay goes here where the David Johnson is here and they just brought uh, Mark Ingram in so I thought I thought Philip Lindsay, you know, had a, a little bit more weight that he could have kind of bargained for. Like I even look at a situation like the Jets, which for three and a half million dollars, I thought would have been a great landing spot for Philip Lindsay. But he ends up going to the Texans. I'm curious what you think of that. Is he going to end up being the best player here? Or do you think it's a situation where, you know, Ingram knows his place. He's the veteran, maybe some goal line chances. And, and then it's just a kind of a split backfield between David Johnson and Philip Lindsay again. But I just thought, I just thought Philip Lindsay could have gotten himself into a better situation than he particularly landed in. Yeah. I mean, look, um, Mark Ingram is, you know, he's, I think 30, 32 or something like that. It'll be 32, uh, the season or he's very close to that age you can just see that he you know the wear and tear he's not a bad guy to have in your running back room though uh and the durability issue of of david johnson uh has been in in some play in, you know has been in some question over the years so i don't i don't mind the, i don't mind the pick i mean i think um you know i, I think he he's going to a situation where i think he's going to get a good amount of playing time, uh, how much playing time, 
Uh, you don't know, but I mean, when your competition is an aging running back, or when you watch him play, especially last year, you just see that you know his best playing is behind him. And another player whose durability is in question, I, I think there's a reasonable chance for Philip Lindsay to get a decent amount of playing time this year. And uh, I think that's really all he's asked. I mean, you know, they made that Gordon signing, and boy, you know, Gordon was getting the lion's share of the carries. And when Lindsay was in there, I know he got hurt and he was just on and off the field the last few games. But, boy, when he got in there, he, he runs hard. And um, and I hope it works out for him. I know you like the player uh, as well, and, uh, and uh, you thought that – he wasn't used right, so I'm just hoping he gets a chance to play. Yeah, and and there's, and there's also been you know look the tight end position has become such a such a big cog in a lot of offenses, and I, I want to talk about three quick moves and and kind of how you see this kind of playing out with each of these players. Now I, I was all giddy and excitement about Donald Parham, and and then and then the uh, Los, uh, Los Angeles Chargers go out and sign uh, the 34 year old. <laughs> um, Jared Cook, which again, you know, hurts a guy like Parham's value for sure. But curious what you think there. Jacob Hollister, former teammate of, of Josh Allen, gets signed uh, to a deal by the by the Buffalo Bills, who who have definitely been mentioned as as a potential landing spot for Zach Ertz. But remember, they also have uh, they also have Dawson Knox there, so I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to work out now. And then uh, we we mentioned Dan Arnold, um, and and the last guy I wanted to mention uh, at tight end was oh, hold on my. I'm losing my train of thought here. Oh, Gerald Everett, Seattle Seahawks. So I want, I want to know kind of how you're thinking about those particular signings uh, with, uh, as, as we sit here today. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Cook. Um, I, I, I just think, you know, um, you, 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 you know, you like some of those, um, those tight ends that you thought were going to get a chance. You mentioned the last podcast um, that we're going to get a chance maybe to, to, to see what they could do. But I think some of those are, are kind of like, I don't know, it's going to be cancellation. None of those guys, ha- I don't think, have a chance at tight end one. And the one player that I think does that you mentioned is Everett, um, who seems to have a clear path to playing time with a quarterback who does like the throw to the tight end. He's made tight ends of lesser ability, have fairly good seasons and, and good games and be fantasy relevant. And then in comes Gerald Everett, who's an athletic guy who could really run kind of like a wide receiver speed at tight end, definitely one of the fastest straight line, to, you know, tight ends as far as running goes, you know, with, with a clear path to play. And I think he, he becomes interesting. And uh, I know you mentioned, you know, when he was, you know, in the process of the free agency, you, you clearly mentioned him. And uh, I'm wondering as a landing spot for the player, and your view in terms of fantasy, how you, you know, what do you feel about that? Yeah, I just think, look, you, you look at the Seattle Seahawks previously, and Russell Wilson does target. Now, granted, they've kind of split it between three or four guys in the last few years. Uh, but I think, you know, Everett has, and, and look, the Seattle Seahawks know Gerald Everett really, really well. 
right? Like they 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 played against him two two times a year over the last few seasons. Uh, there's sure. he's had some monster games actually um, with Higby there, and 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 games where Higby is missed. He's very athletic. Uh, I think this could be a monster signing for the Seahawks. I really, especially if Russell Wilson is going to stay there, um, and, and given you know the the attention that guys like DK Metcalf and and uh, Tyler Lockett get. Uh, this could be a, just a terrific, terrific signing for the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think you know you could be onto something there. Uh, I haven't really like looked clearly uh, at the tight end position for the upcoming season, but you know he he certainly has the um, the the makings of of being in that you know eight to twelve at tight end, making him a tight end one for for certain, just considering the path to playing time and the quarterback they'll be throwing on the ball. And that's of course, at this point, assuming that Russ Wilson will stay in Seattle, but for the, um, for this, you know, just for this, uh, point, if he is, I, you know, I think, um, I think, you, you know, you'd have to consider Gerald uh, Everett as a, as a, uh, as a tight end one for this year. Yep. I agree. I, and I think the, the I'm going to just kind of segue to an, another player who, who was so good in the second half of last season, and I think lands in the absolute perfect spot. Um, you know, the Washington football team was very, very active, um, and I just think the signing of Curtis Samuel to an offensive coordinator and a coach that know the player really well – that a team that did not have the second option at wide receiver, really. Uh, yes, they, they, they have a, a guy who's definitely evolved the tight end in Logan Thomas. Uh, Terry McLaurin, terrific player. We, you, Wiz and I both think that, uh, that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the quarterback here. But if you look at the way Curtis Samuel finished the season, I don't think there is a better landing spot or a better match from any player that's been signed here than Curtis Samuel's move to the Washington football team. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was telling you, um, I was telling you a stat that I saw, unbelievable. Last year, Ryan Fitzpatrick thrown passes ten yards and under, completed eighty or just about eighty percent of those passes, and that's where Curtis Samuel resides. Um, he's quick, and you can throw him bubble screens. Um, you know, slants, get him the ball on on, on jet sweeps, uh, hand him the ball, uh, throw screens to him. And uh, I, I think for, for Curtis Samuel and the Washington football team, um, there's a lot to like there. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting cast. You have a bunch of young, skilled players around him, and then this veteran quarterback that everyone keeps writing off and just keeps on playing well and playing well and playing well at quarterback there. I just think it makes for such an interesting storyline coming into the season. But uh, if you liked Washington after the Fitzpatrick signing, which I know you did, then that's probably even your exuberance is probably even exacerbated um, after after seeing the Curtis Samuel signing. Yeah, and I just think the, all the just the familiarity with the player is is such a big deal to me, you know, and uh, your mentioning of that statistic obviously around the line of scrimmage notwithstanding, but the familiarity of Ron Rivera and and uh, and and, um, and Scott Turner with the player, it just it, it just this is a perfect perfect fit and and, and he finished the season so strong like you know, anybody who was watching Curtis Samuel was a top 10 receiver in the second half of the season. He 
was the best Carolina receiver. So, you know, it didn't go unnoticed. And I think this is a fantastic landing spot for him. So super giddy about that one. Um, yeah, and then uh, just one one other thing. Uh, you know, it, it just it's just funny, right? Because if you look at the AFC East, um, it looks like the one team that is trying to, like, go all defense in this free agent process is the are the Patriots? Oh yeah, because Miami, yeah, Miami. It looks like they're looking to load up with free agency and draft picks on offense. The Jets, we know what they've done already. Uh, receivers, going to take a quarterback. Buffalo adding Emmanuel Sanders, and uh, <laughs> and I think Bill Belichick said enough of this. And you know these teams aren't going to be throwing the ball all over us and load it up. So I know it's very, very, very early, but. I'm just, you know, we'll just tease the people listening to this. Do you think the Patriots are working their way back into, that's, you know, I'm not going to talk about like what you, you know, what prediction on the division or how far they could go. Or are they a playoff team, whatever. But do you think that defense is going, get, is going to get back to where it was a few years ago? Because they have some good players. They had Hightower who opted out. They had some great free agent signings. We'll see what happens in the draft. Um, do you think that Patriots defense is uh, returning to being a prominent defense? Yeah, so uh, Patrick Chung did retire. So he was one of the players opt out. He did retire. But I liked bringing Kyle Van Noy back to this team. You mentioned the guys that they've kind of signed. You mentioned the guys that are coming back. Uh, you know, I think Bill Belichick and the Patriots want to play a certain style of football. I I'm not super confident about what's going on at the quarterback position because you know my view on, on Cam Newton. But I love the defense. Now, the one thing is when this Patriot defense was on top of their game uh, back in 2019 where they're basically breaking records, you were also dealing with a very inferior conference where six games were played against three offenses that couldn't go anywhere fast. And that was, you know, there's a big difference from two years ago. That's going to be certainly different, I think, this coming football season. So so I don't know that they're going to actually be at the same level that they were because the three teams in the division should be much better offenses, at least in my eyes. So I don't think they reached those levels, but obviously Bill Belichick, like I said, they want to play a certain style. I think they're going to want to run the football. Uh, and I'm very curious to see who else they bring in at the quarterback spot because I don't think Cam Newton is the answer here. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, yeah, I, I feel that, you know, they're going to, you know, they, they're going to try and draft Mac Jones, whether, you know, they feel okay staying at 15 to try and get that player or maybe moving up a few spots. But I just don't see how they could be confident, even with a, a much improved defense or, you know, a top 10 defense even with that offense because it's not like they – they didn't sign, you know, like uh, Terrell Owens or Jerry Rice. I mean, they got a couple of players that were better that were on their existing roster, but that's not saying much. Um, so I agree with you as far as their offense and the quarterback, and uh, I just don't see how they're going to go in, you know, confidently um, with Cam Newton as their quarterback. Yeah, definitely not. I, they, I think they did make a good signing. Uh, you know, David Andrews, their center, who is probably one of the better centers in the NFL, re-signing him. I think that goes a long way. Uh, I still think they have two very good running backs in in, in Damian Harris and and um, 
and, and Sony Michelle. It looks like, by all accounts, that both Burkhead and uh, James White will be gone, and we got to see what they do in the draft. But none, nonetheless, I'm not confident um, at the at the quarterback position. Wiz, let me ask you: Kenyon Drake, who now forms an all Alabama backfield with Josh Jacobs, is this a bigger situation that Josh Jacobs, the DUI at the end of last year, is there more than meets the eye? Because at times last year, Devontae Booker, when he got in the, Devontae Booker's now backing up. Uh, um, uh, uh, Barkley uh, with the Giants, but at times last year when Booker was on the field, he was actually ripping off more yards than Josh Jacobs. And and I mentioned this a billion times that Jacobs was you know misused. I didn't understand the play calling, and didn't understand the usage of the player. And now I sit here. I know we got a DUI at the end of the season, but they bring a guy like Kenyon Drake onto this team. What do you make of that move? Yeah, I'm not sure. It really, has anything to do. Um... I'm not sure it has anything to do. I think that case has been, you know, dismissed or there's not going to be any legal ramifications. I just think, you know, it was, uh, they, they, they got him on the cheap. Um, and I, I just think, you know, they want to have some depth there. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, if you have, you know, Josh, yeah, forget about Dynasty Leagues. I'm not even going to talk about that right now. I'm just going to talk about upcoming looking ahead quickly. I mean, the lion signing of Jamal Williams could make that Jamal Williams swift situation a headache for fantasy owners. And I think this one, you know, could be the same situation with Jacobs and, uh, and Kenyon Drake and uh, trying to figure it out or, or parse through what's going to happen. It just seems um, almost impossible because we saw how Gruden treated Jacobs with lesser players backing him up. Now he brings in a pretty good player who has his moments. I'm not the biggest Kenyon Drake fan, especially, you know, down at the goal line, uh, getting tough yards, but um, it makes for an interesting combination, but a fantasy football headache. Uh, big time, big time headache. Uh, Wiz, let me ask you a question. And this is kind of one of those kind of small signings, but I'm curious what you think, especially given your kind of view on what, what hap- what's happened with uh, Justin Tucker, who's one of the better kickers in the league. But here in Arizona, was built up a, a very interesting offense with a quarterback that likes to run the football. They bring in one of the best long kickers in the NFL, a guy who probably, uh, next to Tucker, he's probably number two in, uh, and Brandon McManus in, in handling uh, kicks over 50 yards. But uh, Matt Prater is now a member of the Arizona Cardinals. Is this a situation that looks like a Justin Tucker situation where it's a team that will go for it? Or is this is this a situation where such a high scoring offense that you got a guy like Matt Prater in Arizona will end up being a top five kicker? They kick indoors, all that sort of stuff. Your view on the Matt Prater signing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there's good and bad. Um, the bad is he's not kicking in that in that you know thin air uh, out in Denver where. Quite honestly, like a 58-yarder is probably like a 48-yarder anywhere else. So he's losing that. The good news is he's on now a much better offensive team. You know, what you want is you want to have a kicker that's on a team that's in the red zone or at least inside the 30 a lot during the game. That is always helpful. Uh, A coach that will send the kicker out for long field goals, which is the case. And another thing is that the, the, the thing that Kyler Murray has had problems with, and this is 
what is usually the case for a young quarterback is difficulty converting in the red zone. Now, once you have DeAndre Hopkins, he kind of handles that problem somewhat. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, kind of good and bad. But um, overall, if you're, a, if you're a Prater fan, it wouldn't stop me from, uh, from going after him in, in fantasy leagues because uh, the one thing we know about Arizona is they, they play a lot of high-scoring games. All right, so let's uh, as we kind of wrap it up here. Let, let's look at a few guys that have not been signed yet. You know, Kenny Galladay is definitely the biggest name out there. I'm curious. You know, I think it looks like it's between uh, at this point the Giants and and the and the Ravens. The Bears. Uh, I don't know if that's a, a, exactly a good fit there. Uh, you've got a guy like Melvin Ingram and uh, Jadavian Clowney, who he seems we were perpetually talking about where he could sign. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva, T. Y. Hilton. Any of these guys? Do you? Do do you see where do you see them going? Do you think we're going to get some closure on on their destinations this weekend? Yeah, I mean, well, uh, you know, several of these players have just somehow ended back up on the their team that they had just left or they couldn't work out a deal with. I'm almost certain that that's not going to be the case between Kenny Galladay and the Lions. So he's going to end up somewhere. I found it. If I was a Giants fan, pretty, you know, disappointing that he left the building without a contract. So yeah, I see him. Uh, you know, I, I, I could, I could see, I, I, you know, I could see the, you know, the Ravens would make sense certainly if you know you want to win. I mean, look, I, I could see a one-year deal. This is what's happening, kind of like a one-year deal when next year more teams will be able to spend a lot more on, on, on salaries. And with Kenny Galladay, there's a few things going on. One is these teams don't have the money to spend. Two, the, the, the wide receiver market is not – Tremendous. Three is there are a lot of people who don't consider Kenny Galladay to be a, a clear number one. I think you and I disagree with that, but a lot of a lot of teams out there aren't quite sure about that. And then you have the mystery of what took place with a hip flexor injury, where it seemed to me he knew he wasn't going to be playing with the Lions anymore. They did not offer him a second contract. They weren't going to offer him a long-term deal. So I think it was more of what the heck am I going to go out there for and, and ruin my chance of, you know, signing a long-term contract with somebody else. And I think for another team, that's a bit concerning that you're not out there when you're being paid to play. So uh, all of those things together has probably led to the reason that Kay Galladay is still a free agent. Yeah, and we'll be, we'll see where he ends up. Uh, I, I thought it would be a good fit with the Giants, uh, but it remains to be seen if it ends up being the case. Um, all right, good stuff. Any, any further points to add? I'm I'm kind of done with uh, everything that I wanted to say here this morning. Uh, Wiz, anything further to add? Yeah, just just one quick thing is kind of like you know under the radar, not big signings, but Cleveland is doing some things with their secondary. Uh, we know they can get after the quarterback if they shrub that secondary and you have Nick Chubb running the ball. Um, I'm kind of thinking Cleveland could be ascending. That's uh, all I'm going to say about that right now, but I, I like what they're doing. Yeah, look, you know, the, the Stefanski had a great year in his first year uh, as head coach. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield played a lot better football. They've got skilled position players. I'll be curious to see what ends up 
happening with guys like Odell Beckham Jr. over time. But, uh, but yeah, like that running back tandem is, is certainly very good, and the defense seems to be getting better and better. So uh, that's the type of football, a little bit of an old-school old football. I think that's the way the Browns want to play the game. A couple of really solid tight ends there. So Cleveland Brown fans should be very happy at the moment. I agree. Yep. All right. Good. Yep. Uh, next week we'll be back. Yep, we will be back next week. We're in Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we wish everybody a good rest of the weekend. Uh, hopefully you're finding these things to be informative and helpful. Uh, yes, it's only March, but you do need to prepare. So, Wiz, thanks very much for today, and uh, we will speak next week. You got it.